0: Hey!
1: There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090. All right, we're back here. It is Friday night. It is Raiders football. This is Silver and Black Tonight. Only on the Mightier 1090. Thanks for being with us. I am Scott Branson, joined by my partner, National NFL Writer for Bleacher Report, also a contributor at VegasSportsToday.com. That is a Mr. One Maurice, or as we call him, Mo Moten. Mo, here we are, man. 3-0, the Raiders are off to their fastest start since the last time they made it to the Super Bowl. That was 2002. How good should Raider fans feel right now, Mo?
2: They should feel great. They should be floating on cloud nine, uh, having a good drink on a Friday night, you know, enjoy, just enjoying it. Like yes. just enjoy three and oh. And I just, I haven't brought this up yet, but, but Scott, I think we need to talk about this really quick. Okay. And there's been a lot been made about Carr's hair, right? <laughs> Him growing out his hair and, and yeah. how well he's playing. I think one of us should, should in solidarity with Carr, grow out our hair. Just just not cut it until he cuts it or until the Raiders lose a football game.
1: Well, you're younger than me, so you could probably grow it better. Uh, and I'm sure yours would look better than mine. But but no, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, he's always kind of kept it close crop uh, during the season. And there's also there was a great meme. I don't know if you saw the one where they, they superimposed Ken Stabler's hair on him. Yes, I saw that too. Yes. <laughs> which, which I thought was really funny and a good one. But hey, you don't mess with it, right? There's no way he's cutting nope. his hair.
2: No, no way. I mean, if he has to have a Jerry Curl by the end of the year, I'm with it. I mean, I'm okay with it. Derek Carr, rock what you need to rock if if it has you playing this way.
1: Now you're reminding me of Coming to America when you when you said Jerry (laughs) Curl. But yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing. And let's start with Derek Carr, right? Because of course, the overtime game, the big win against Miami. A lot of Raider fans were thinking this was going to be a skunk job that they were going to do. What happened to the Dolphins the week before when they lost 35 to nothing? But that was a formidable defense, and we saw it in the first first half mo the Raiders struggled on offense again to start the game you know we've been used to the last couple of years the Raiders doing well in the first half and then struggling towards the end of games it's been the opposite so far through the three weeks where they've gone three and zero.
2: yeah that's a pretty interesting observation I didn't think of it like that but now that you bring it up you're absolutely right Gruden is usually good at you know skimming up or scripting the first uh first half I would say and and then as many people would say, oh, the, Gruden gets a lead in the first half and then he goes too conservative in the second half. Now it's kind of like you got to keep the foot on the pedal because with the Raiders starting slow, as they did against the Baltimore Ravens, you have to score points, and that's what they did. Rattled off, I believe, 25 consecutive unanswered points against the Dolphins to come back and win that game in overtime, which took the whole overtime period, <laughs> by the way. Yes. So the Raiders are, are definitely giving fans their money's worth, their time's worth of watching football this year, and we could have another... Monday night thriller with the Raiders and the Chargers this time
3: around.
1: I mean, yeah, coming up on Monday night down in Los Angeles. Of course, we're on the air. 24 million people in Southern California can hear our voices right now. And I know a lot of them, especially those wearing silver and black, are going to be out at SoFi Stadium. In fact, later on in the show, we're going to be speaking about the Chargers to Gilbert Manzano, a great friend, longtime friend of the show, He, of course, covers the L.A. Chargers for the L.A. Daily News. We'll get to uh, talk to him in depth about where that Charger team is, what makes them different from last year, and why this is going to be yet another test for the Raiders. And that's one thing, Mo, through three weeks... The Raiders have beat good teams, right? They have beat the Dolphins. I know a lot of people don't want to think the Dolphins are a good team, but that defense is formidable. We talked about it. They beat Baltimore, of course, as well as the Steelers on the road. The Steelers, I know, are having trouble, but that was a road game early in the season, and that makes it I saw, too, it was interesting. um, Gruden was talking in an interview, and he talked about how because of the heat in Las Vegas— the team practices much earlier than they used to when they were in California. So he, his, his hypothesis for why they're playing better on the road the last couple of years is because they get up early. So when they go back east, those guys are getting up early. Do you buy that at all? Socrates and back at it. I mean, <laughs> it could be.
2: I mean, I, hey, he's the head coach. It could be something to it. He would know better than I would. But I, I can, I can get on with that statement. And and if it's working out for the Raiders, good for them. Whatever works. Hey, hey, getting up early, getting on East Coast time to battle East Coast teams. Hey, it's 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 bringing them W. So we have to be on board with
1: it. Oh, absolutely. But I want to start too and talk about Derek Carr. I know we talked about him last week. Clearly, he's off to what I want to call like a premature MVP type season because it is early. I understand that, but that's how well he's played. I wrote a piece up on Vegasportstoday.com the middle of the week about why I think that's the whole reason they're 3-0. and Some people are arguing with me about the defense. And Mo, you made this point in a piece last week too to say, listen, you got to give Derek Carr more credit. It's not like Derek Carr hasn't changed. We saw that this week. A lot of people saying, well no, he is who he is. He's always been that way. But now he's got a defense and and, and now he's winning games. And so that's what's different. That's not the whole story, Mo.
2: No, absolutely not. First of all, the offensive line is nowhere near where it should be. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of numbers for you. Alex has allowed 13 quarterback pressures. Oof. John Simpson and Colton Miller both have allowed eight quarterback pressures apiece. So that offensive line has to get it together. Of course, Andre James with his high snaps, he has four penalties. So the offensive line isn't where it should be. The Raiders have the fourth most penalties and and have lost the fifth most yards because of those penalties. So by any means, this is not a perfect offense. I think Gruden alluded to this in his press conference Monday that, you know, there are still some things they have to work through. So to Mm -hmm. see Carr playing the way he's playing, despite some of the issues that they're having. It's very encouraging.
1: Well, and it, it just makes me think. I mean, I, I understand there's fans who are what I would consider hardcore fans, but from a football perspective, they're casual. They watch the game. They don't watch a lot of X's and O's. They're not paying a lot of attention to it. So for those folks, nothing wrong with that. And I know they're listening to our show. I got no problem with that whatsoever. But if you watch, like you and I do, games multiple times and key in on certain players, watching Derek Carr through the first three weeks of this season – I'm just struck by his demeanor, how different it is. He's confident. He said in a preseason interview that his mind is free this year. He knows the offense better than he ever has. He has more trust in his surrounding cast, i.e. the wide receiving core, of course, Darren Waller and everyone else. And so he's got a different mentality. He's playing in the pocket differently. He's stepping up when that pressure is coming in and you just outlined it with the numbers, Mo, he's under a lot of pressure, but the difference is instead of times when he might get happy feet or check down, he's now looking for plays down the field and he's hitting them.
2: I think you mentioned this in this article, on your article on Vegas sports today. Can we finally bury the check down Charlie (laughs) label for Derek Carr? Because he's, he's playing anything, but like a check down Charlie this year, as I outlined in my article, his, His intended air yards have gone up every year. That means how far the ball travels through the air on his passes. And he's at 9.1 this year, which is, which is his career high under Gruden. So he's definitely more aggressive. And as you say, he doesn't have happy feet in the pocket. Even though he is getting hit, he is getting pressured. And you like to see him have that unwavering confidence because the Raiders are going to need him to push the ball down the field. They're going to win games, especially if they're going to fall behind 14-0 in these games.
1: Right. And this is not, again, I, I had some folks tell me, well, it's a defense. And there's no question, when you talk about why this team is winning, Yes, it is partially because the defense, it is a team game. The defense is giving the offense opportunities that they maybe haven't had in previous years. For example, at the end of this game, when they're able to shut people down uh, and get the ball back to Derek Carr. But at the end of the day, the most important position on the field in professional football is the quarterback. When you have a quarterback playing at the level that Derek Carr is playing, it doesn't matter. This is the type of thing that everybody who likes Derek Carr wanted to see him become. Now, again, you have to be consistent. This has to be week in, week out. It can't be three weeks, four weeks, and then you go in the dumper for three weeks and then you come back out of it. You have to be able to sustain it. But everything we've seen, and there's going to be all kinds of challenges that we cannot foretell here. Even though you are Mostradamus, we can't look into the future. So there will be challenges for Derek Carr at some point during the season, Mo. But this is the kind of performance if you want want to make that jump. If you want to upend the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West, you got to have quarterback play like this.
2: Yeah, Kurt Warner talked about this when he broke down film on Derek Carr, and he he basically hit the nail on the head when he said, when Derek Carr plays aggressive football, when he's pushing the ball downfield, it gives the Raiders the best chance to win football games. You saw it last year with the Saints and the Chiefs in both Chiefs games, even though they lost one to the Chiefs. In both games, Derek Carr was aggressive, and that's why they had a chance to win. And that's what you're seeing this year, at least through the first three weeks, is that when he's pushing the ball down the field, that offense is on another level. Now, you've talked about the defense having a part in their success, and it is true, and I mentioned in my article, is complementary football. Yes. So I just want to give you the third down numbers. Their defense is sixth in allowing opponent third down conversions, six fewest conversions. On offense, the Raiders are eighth in third down conversions, meaning they're getting opponents off the field on third down, and they're extending drives when they have the ball. Again, so – Defense coming together with Derek Carr on that offense. Because remember, Carr hasn't had a ground attack for two of the three games. Peyton Barber, of course, broke out against the Dolphins. But he didn't even have a ground attack in the first two games. And he's still moving that offense down the field. So, yes, we understand the defense has its part. But also Derek Carr deserves his credit for what he's doing, despite a shaky offensive line.
1: Let's talk, Mo, about that young wide receiving chorus, particularly two guys. uh, And of course, we know Hunter Renfro. uh, He's the GOAT, right? He's been so good Mm -hmm. and continues to do what he's done. He's so sneaky athletic. That's the thing about Hunter Renfro, (laughs) is if you see his cuts, I mean, you saw a couple times. I mean, Xavier Howard, he took him out of his shoes. Uh, and it was remarkable because the guy, when you see him on the street, he looks like an accountant, but he's, he's an amazing athlete and and it was great to be able to have him as a guest on our show every week last week or last year, but, um, particularly the younger guys, Henry Ruggs the third Brian Edwards, let's start with Ruggs because you have a new nickname for him. Uh, and, um, talk about what we've seen different. I mean, his route running clearly better. As I watched the film, it's clearly better. They're using him in a more appropriate fashion, which you called for last year, by the way. And so you're seeing a little bit of that, but talk a little bit about the technical side of Ruggs, what we're seeing differently about him, particularly what we saw in the Miami game.
2: Yeah, shout out to Nate Burleson, who uh, I believe had this coined this phrase first. It's toe drag swag. And <laughs> Henry Ruggs has a lot of toe drag swag this year. Uh he had a problem staying in bound in bounds last year. He had a couple of plays where he could have held in a pass but didn't because his foot may have been out of bounds. This year that hasn't been a problem. In the Dolphins game, he had two sideline catches that looked routine the way he pulled those in. But if you if you really look at those plays. Tough grabs, but he was able to keep his feet in bounds. I believe it was in the first quarter when the Raiders were trying to rally back down 14. And he had one in overtime where he had a catch near the sideline that was difficult. But he made again, he made it look very easy. And you can see that's where he's improved his the technical part of his game. And what he's probably worked on during the offseason, as you know, Mayock challenged him. He had to get bigger. He had to work on his routes. And he also had to be technically sound when it came to pulling in balls close to the sideline.
1: Yeah, no, that's it. And then, again, the way they're using him, you and I bang the drum, too, um, about using rugs, having him with shorter drag patterns that come across the field, get him the ball in open space in one-on-one situations because that's where he turns on the burners. Right now, he's had the long passes. I get it. We want to see that, too. But those other routes that he's running, Derek Carr is now looking for him. He's making his progressions with his reads, and he's finding them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it goes with, as we talked about in the show plenty of times, just give a variety of routes, give him a mix of short routes. Yeah, he can do the deep ball. He can catch a deep ball for 61 yards to beat the Steelers. He can do that, but also give him some short passes to get him warmed up, to get him into the flow of the game. Some players just need to get in the flow of the game. And I know he's not the same player as Amari Cooper, but I saw the same with Amari Cooper. If you don't get Amari Cooper the ball early when he was with the Raiders and now with the Cowboys, he, he just kind of floated around and wasn't really into the game. Maybe not mentally checked out, but you just got to get a rhythm. And I think the same goes with Ruggs. If you give him a rhythm, he stays hot, you can get him involved, and get over 100 yards pretty quickly.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now, Brian Edwards, on the other hand, the stat blows my mind. 168 yards receiving in the fourth quarter and overtime <laughs> through three games. That tells me, okay, yeah, the kid can catch, he can run, but more importantly... It's when it matters. I mean, this is something you can't teach, Mo, which is the pressure is at its heaviest, right? And here's a kid who's been out there a little bit, you know, into his second season, but he's not had a lot of experience in games or big games at the pro level. But this year, every time they've called his number... In key situations, he's delivering. Now Derek Carr's throwing great balls to him, like he did against Miami. The one in overtime was amazing, but but he's getting open and he's he's making receptions. He's not getting nervous. There's a calmness to that kid, which is pretty remarkable.
2: Yeah, just as much as Derek Carr is clutch, Brian Edwards is also clutch. It's just so odd because. Sometimes you for for the first 3 quarters you'll forget Brian Edwards is on the field <laughs> and all of a sudden he's got like a 20 yard catch. Again, he's averaging 21 yards per reception. Rugs 21.5, but Carr trusts those guys on the deep ball. And just speaking about Brian Edwards, just 75% of his of his yardage in the fourth quarter overtime. That that's incredible. And if he if he could just extend that throughout a whole game, he's going to be a monster going forward for the Raiders.
1: But, uh, to close out the, the the conversation on the offense and moving into the Charger game uh, and what's happened, like you said, Darren Waller's been quiet, uh, and, and that's okay because other people have stepped up, and it's about winning. It's about a team game, and you have to do that. But Darren Waller is the best player on the field for the Raiders when it comes to the receiving core as of right now. Um, what do they need to do? I mean, I, I think, you know, look, you targeted him so much the first game. Of course, everybody was critical because he got 19 targets. And then it's kind of not happened. Some of that is the coverages. But others are, I think, they're just Derek Carrs finding guys open. Guys are getting open where they didn't used to. What do they need to do? Is that, is that a key? If you're John Gruden, is that a key going into this Charger game is to say, hey, you know, we need to maybe call some plays that are gonna, that's going to get Waller involved early to kind of set that pace and free up the other receivers? Well, in big-time games,
2: you want to go to your big-time players, and Darren Waller obviously is a big-time, their best offensive weapon. I think you want to move him around that line of scrimmage. You want to pre-snap, I mean, and just try to free him, try to get him a matchup against a linebacker. Kenneth Murray coming out of Oklahoma. I know a lot of Raider fans liked him, but if you can get him matched up against Kenneth Murray in a coverage situation, Darren Waller wins that matchup 10 out of 10 times. So, you, so I think if you move him around, you get him matched up on a linebacker, preferably Kenneth Murray, not Drew Tranquil, but Kenneth Murray, I think the Raiders can get Darren Waller 10 catches and over 100 yards. Of course, he doesn't have to have over 100 yards, but you want to get him a touchdown, get him in the flow of the game, because if he's cooking, the Raiders' offense is also cooking.
1: Absolutely, and he's a, he's a competitor. I'm sure he's he's itching to, get, to be part of that. He's happy for his team. But uh, you definitely want to get him the ball because when, when that happens, good things happen. Um, all right, Mo, we're going to go. We have David Stepanian used to do, he would review games for us, like revisit the game that was. Now we have him here. He's going to take a look at the Chargers game and preview it for us using some of the audio that we heard from the Raiders and the Chargers this week. So here's David Stepanian with a preview of the Raiders' big matchup Sunday excuse me, Monday on Monday Night Football with the Chargers. So here's David Cepanian.
3: Coming off their second OT thriller in three weeks, Raider Nation will head to SoFi Stadium for their second primetime matchup of the season, this time against the L.A. Chargers on Monday Night Football. The Chargers are coming off an upset victory in Kansas City, where Justin Herbert threw for 281 yards with four TDs and no picks. The Raiders had to sweat out a comeback after trailing 14-0 to Miami last Sunday and giving up a late TD, which allowed the Dolphins to force overtime. Fans at Allegiant got their money's worth in an overtime victory, but the Chargers are a very different opponent and will pose a great challenge. And coach John Gruden knows this.
4: we got a real tough opponent this week on Monday night in the Chargers. So, and uh, it's also, you got to be realistic when you look at your schedule, what we have coming up. It doesn't get much easier. You know, the Chargers just uh, went to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs and did it in impressive fashion. So um, every week is a is a grind, and hopefully uh, we get some good news from the trainer and some of the guys that have been missing can come come back and help us because we're going to need them.
3: The Raiders have won three of their last four against the Chargers, with their only loss coming in overtime last December. Derek Carr is having a career year, becoming the first QB to ever throw for over 375 yards and two TDs in each of his first three games of the season. It'll be a battle of two of the best offenses in the NFL, and Carr has completed each of his six TDs to a different receiver. Spreading the ball out will be a key to the game, and Gruden emphasized the importance of Carr finding his receivers.
4: That's always been the goal, and to have balance as well, not just throwing it to different people, but being able to turn and hand it off to somebody that can do something. Um, we had some balance yesterday, which helped us win that game. But we have a lot of confidence in our receiving core. They may be young, but they're talented, they're reliable, they're tough, and they're versatile. And uh, they are explosive. And uh, if you center your attentions on Waller, I think these young guys are proving that they can do some damage as well. they got to continue to get better and better. They're not perfect yet. None of us are, but we're seeing a lot of progress.
3: This will be the Raiders' first divisional game of the season, and kickoff is set for Monday night at 5 p.m. For Silver and Black Today, I'm David Stepanian.
1: Mo, keys to this game. Tell me what the Raiders need to do to go down to Los Angeles and come out, come back to Las Vegas 4-0.
2: As soon as the Raiders step on the field, the running backs have to smell blood in the water. The Chargers are giving up uh, a league-high 5.8 yards per carry, per rush wow. attempt. Uh, overall, they have given up 510 yards, which is just most in the league, so... They're running backs. The Raiders' running backs have to attack up front, and because I, I don't think there's a quick fix for the Chargers defensive front. If you can run the ball effectively, you control the, the tempo of the game, and you'll probably win this game. On the defensive side, you wanna you wanna crowd Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So Casey Hayward Jr., Trayvon Mullen, Nate Hobbs, Trayvon Merrick, those guys have to be ready. Be ready on the perimeter because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are probably having their best season together. Of course, Justin Herbert is still dealing. Don't forget, don't forget tight end Jared Cook, who's a savvy yeah. veteran, pass catching tight end. So a lot, a lot of guys to cover. Austin Eckler out of the backfield. So the Raiders are gonna have their hands full when it comes to coverage. All those guys are gonna have to read their assignments and stay disciplined.
1: There you go. Okay, we're gonna step aside, take a break when we come back. Gilbert Menzano, LA Daily News, Chargers coming up next here on Silver and Black tonight. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 SoCal Sports Talk. Now, back to Scott and Mo on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back. It is silver and black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California. Of course, always brought to you by our good friend Salmon Ash, the injury attorneys. Check them out at salmonashlaw.com. We switch gears now. We're going to talk about the Chargers. And when it comes to the Chargers, Mo, there's only one guy I'm going to go to. Here when we're talking to all of Southern California about this Raiders-Chargers game uh, on Monday night. And that, of course, is our good friend Gilbert Manzano. Of course, Gilbert at the L.A. Daily News uh, covers the team has for several seasons. Before that, he covered the Raiders, so he's got a really interesting perspective. Gilbert, thanks for being with Mo and I here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Scott. Yes, yeah, uh, I do have both point of view uh, but it's the first time that this, these teams are, I guess, uh, you know, over 500 playing each other in a very long time. I forget the stat, but it was a long time when the last I checked.
1: Yeah, no, it's good. This, I mean, and that's what I said, Gilbert. This game for being week four is going to have a big time playoff atmosphere because it is an AFC West game and both these teams coming off thrilling wins, including the Chargers out in Kansas City, which is always a tough place to play, especially since number 15 got there. And that's the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was the Chargers offense. You know, they struggled in the first two games, especially in early down offense that changed versus the Chiefs uh, and that also changed with the red zone office what's worked for them why suddenly has Brandon Staley suddenly as we say in Southern California Gilbert because you know I, I grew I grew up down there <laughs> he had the cojones to go on fourth and nine from the Chiefs 35 with 48 seconds left in that game what's going on with Staley what's going on with that Chargers offense why have they been able to flip the switch and get better so quickly
0: yeah I think it's uh Staley is put, putting uh, his money where, where his mouth is. You know, he kept saying, you know, in the offseason, he's going to trust his quarterback, Justin Herbert. So when the time came to finally put his trust on your quarterback, like you mentioned, on the, you know, with the cojones on the fourth and nine, it was actually fourth and four. They went backwards, fourth and nine. It did not matter. Staley, he said, Justin Herbert, I'm going to put the ball in your hands, win this game, because that's what you need in KC and Arrowhead. You need these, you know, these gutsy play calls because you can't beat The five-time defending AFC West champions by playing safe. So, you know, when the when the time came to put it in Justin Herbert's hands, you know, Staley did it, and and Herbert delivered. And and then, and it's funny because Staley kept saying, you know, you got to play this Chiefs team, you got to be a little reckless. And you know, Herbert kind of did some reckless thing a thing too when he got to, you know, kind of a you know maybe at the four-yard line, you know, he he was already in position to you know possibly win the game. You know, with a field goal, run the clock out, and instead he changed the he changed the play from a running play to a uh, fade to Mike Williams on the end zone. He saw single coverage and he went for the kind of the kill shot, uh, touchdown. But he left a lot of clock uh, for Mahomes. So that was a little dangerous. But you got to get risky, you got to get a little bold, and I think that's the way that kind of paid off for the Charges. Is putting trust in Herbert and getting a little kind of wild and reckless to beat a team like that.
2: Momo, and jumping in here, Gilbert. And with the new head coach, teams go through culture changes in addition to schematic changes. What type of head coach is Braden Staley? Is he more of a player's coach, or does he run a tight ship with strict locker room rules? And how have the players responded to his coaching style?
0: I think he has a good balance of both, you know, being the X's and O's coach and also a player's coach. But I think he does, you know, a good job of having a, you know, a priority list. You know, in the offseason, it was – let me get to know you as a person, It's building relationships. What do you like? What don't you like? And let me mix it into, you know, my game plan as a coach. And after you kind of talked to, you know, all 90 players in the off season and figure out what people like, he kind of did a little rundown outline of how he's going to operate, and he started tweaking it. Uh, so I think people, I think players really respected that. They, they felt like this guy is genuine. He wants to get to know me uh, off the off the field by building relationships. And I think from there they started believing. And then after that, it became X's and O's in football, and the players were like, whoa, this guy really knows what he's talking about. But you can't really buy in until you see that product on the field. So when you're seeing Staley calling these defensive plays on the field and you're like, whoa, that actually worked uh, in real time, that's when like, you start believing a little more. And week by week, you can sense the players are really amazed at how smart this guy is as a coach. So he got them to believe right away. Uh, and now he's getting the results, uh, uh, you know, on the field. But he's also kind of demanding as well. You know, it was it was kind of interesting to me. You know, when they were getting, you know, they're allowing a lot of big running plays. Like they're 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 pretty poor rushing defense right now, and it was pretty bad against the Cowboys with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott doing whatever they wanted. And I started asking Staley, you know, when you play this too high safety look, that usually means you have lighter boxes. And he's like, No, 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 Gilbert, I'm correct you. It looks like we have lighter boxes. It's just an illusion uh, to kind of, you know, disguise looks for it. maybe guys come in at, la- at the last second before the snap and then becomes, you know, seven or eight man boxes. And he was saying the players were not ex- executing. He was putting on the players saying, you know, my scheme is doing okay. We have this, the right looks, but you're not executing. And I think the players took that as a challenge for week three and they really executed. You know, a game plan that kind of, you know, wasn't, you know, aimed to fix. So the Russian defense, it was aimed at stopping the big plays on the field and they really executed that to perfection against Patrick Mahomes in week three. So you're kind of seeing, you know, everything come together from from the new coach point of view.
2: So you mentioned that Russian defense. I believe they're giving up 5.8 yards per carry, which is the most of the NFL. It, is that a focus going into this Raiders game to, to kind of plug holes up front because the Raiders may have a Josh Jacobs, Peyton Barber played well last week. Is is that a focal point on the practice of saying, okay, we have to fix the run defense before we go into this game and for the remainder of the season?
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a, good, a good question because I think it goes by, you know, matchup the an opponent like, like I was mentioning with the Chiefs, it was okay. They got Clyde Edwards there to kind of get some, some uh, rushing yards. They got 100 yards rushing on the ground because they don't want Mahomes to make them pay downfield with Terry Hill. So they had more guys, you know, downfield in the secondary. Now, it's, it's kind of interesting. Will, will Staley show respect to Josh Jacobs? If he's back, and, and Peyton, what Peyton Barber did a week, ago was impressive. But you, but you can't figure out what Derek Carr has been doing. Derek Carr has been lights out as well down the field. I think I heard a stat where he had, he has the most completions down the field. Uh, so when you see uh, Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards and Zay, Zay Jones and those guys making plays downfield, do so you want to incorporate the same game plan from the Chiefs where you're kind of playing against Mahomes? And that kind of shows a lot of respect that their are car. Uh, but if they play that kind of deep field, you're going to get gashed probably by Peyton Barber and and uh, you know hopefully you know, hopefully for the Raiders Josh Jacobs. So you kind of got to pick your poison or have a scheme where you're very balanced. So. That's kind of the thing that's exciting to me to kind of figure out what is Staley going to do because we're all assuming he's a guru mastermind on defense, so he's going to figure it out. So uh, when I talk to him on Thursday, I'm going to ask him that question. Okay, are you going to play him like the Chiefs? He probably won't give you the full game plan of the secrets, but uh, he's usually pretty good when it comes to giving you gems on uh, X and O's.
1: We're talking to Gilbert Manzano. He covers the Chargers for the L.A. Daily News here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. And Gilbert, just to go back to the offense for a minute, you know, in rewatching that game in preparation uh, for the game on Monday, uh, I watched particularly that offensive line for the Chargers, which has been a problem for years, as you know. And I was really impressed with Storm Norton at right tackle. I mean, the game he had against Chris Jones, then you add in Eckler in the passing game, I mean, 15 targets, 15 receptions. What's going on with that offensive line? line and what have they kind of figured out and what kind of rhythm have they gotten into that's helped Herbert get into the right frame of mind and get into the right game plan so that they can go out and score?
0: Yeah. You know, when you see Chris Jones lining up against Storm Norden, you start thinking oh, it's going to be a long day for Storm. <laughs> and he, he had a, you know, a, a pretty good outing. I was, I was very surprised. You know, they did help him out with the chipping or an extra uh, lineman as well sometimes. Uh, but I think Storm just kind of maybe has in good rhythm now. Because that week two matchup against Michael Parsons was probably a matchup. Like, he's a smaller dude that you weren't expecting to play in there until, like, maybe Friday. And he's, he's really quick. And you've never seen this guy play an edge rusher role in college. You have no film on him. For maybe that was tough with Storm. But Storm has played against Chris Jones last year. I think it's maybe, you know, not too much. But he, he's familiar with Storm. He's been around the league. And maybe that kind of helped him out. But, you know, if you get that performance from Storm week in, week out, you're going to be – doing okay because that rest of the offensive line, especially on the left side, has been very stout. Uh, the rookie, Rashawn Slater, I think we, we don't really talk about him enough because there's mm. so many weapons with Herbert, but Rashawn Slater has been, you know, you know very dominant as a rookie. We forget he a rookie. Uh, you know, I don't think he's allowed a sack all year. He has maybe four pressures all year. Uh, after three weeks, being a rookie to do that uh, just kind of shows how talented uh, Rashawn Slater is. Uh, but then you kind of think about, you know, he's getting help as well with the veteran, Matt Filer, a left guard. So, you know, for the Chargers, you know, they're they're, they're smart. They run to the left side because uh, Filer and Slater are doing their thing on the left. And then you got the center, Corey Lindsley, uh, all pro center for the Packers a year ago, not doing the same thing for the for the Chargers. He's had a few mistakes with the flags here and there, maybe getting some, you know, getting communication. Herbert has been, you know, maybe not going that smooth, but I think he's going to figure it out. Uh, and then you have Odia Abushi, uh, the, the right guard. So I think, you know, with Thompson, that's what the GM did for the Chargers uh, to invest. And, and like, you know, Scott, he's been trying to retool this offensive line for years. And I think he finally figured it out. And then you start seeing, you forget that Brian Bulaga was, you know, the right tackle, but he's been kind of banged up. Uh, and but so I think the Chargers had a good, you know, backup uh, game plan in case, in case Bulaga went down, which he did. And I think overall, just kind of learned from the mistakes from the, the previous years of when you retool the offensive line. doesn't really pan out. But now they have backup plans. They've, they've drafted some, some guys on the, the offensive line. Matt Fyler can play right tackle if needed. So I think overall they've really covered their bases at, at that position.
2: Speaking of the offensive line, let's talk about the guy that they're protecting, the main man that the Raiders are going to have to sack on Monday. <laughs> um, what, improvements have you, what improvements have you seen in Justin Herbert's game from the offseason uh, to this point, basically this year. I know he was AP Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, had some broke some records as a rookie. But have you seen any any growth from him between his, the end of his rookie year and week four this season specifically, and maybe his accuracy, his intermediate accuracy, his deep ball, uh, his processing? You know what, what have you seen from him this year?
0: You know, it's kind of tough to tell because he was so good a year ago that <laughs> the best effort <temperature laughs> to give you <laughs> – <laughs> he's being consistent. He's doing everything he did a year ago. He's not regressing. He's doing the same thing. Uh, you start wondering. You see the numbers from last year. Like, he was so good on third down situations, third and long. He, you start thinking he can't keep that up. He does. He's, he's still doing that. He comes out week one. He gets 14 third down conversions. Uh, last year, when he was at his best, you know, he was spreading the ball around. He's still doing the same thing. Eight or nine guys to get the ball. Uh, I think last year was a big confidence booster for him when he won a couple games. Uh, With the last drive, you know, that game in Las Vegas where he said he he was screaming I was in to sneak it in with a confidence booster to get a game-winning drive. Uh, And then now he has game-winning drives against, you know, Washington, uh, KC. So er everything you want from a quarterback to do, he's doing it. And it's just kind of strange that he's a second-year guy. Um, You know, but you kind of see some small mistakes. So he's not perfect because they got to figure out the legal formation the shifting. They, they, they haven't been, they don't get set, you know, enough because they've been penalized maybe three or four times on a legal shift. And that kind of falls in the quarterback. You got to make sure your guys are set. Uh, but when you're playing light side, like Justin Herbert, you kind of forgive him for that little hiccup there. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I think he's, he's, he's set the bar really high his rookie year. And and so far he's probably you know, surpassed it. And you know, I got to really pinpoint what he's gotten better at, but, This guy had accuracy, touch a year ago. He was reading defenses. Uh, You know, maybe the thing that could be that he's better at, he's uh, maybe, you know, processing a little faster. I know a year ago, the disguises were kind of hard for him. He was guessing out there, and and maybe he's a little better at it. But, you know, he's had a couple of interceptions as well this year, so there are some mistakes there. But if you keep doing what what he's doing, you know, week in and week out, you know, I think this guy is going to probably soon approach, you know, top five quarterback status of, Russell, Russell Wilson, you know Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, you know Josh Allen. So I think he's top ten right now, but he's just he's so close of being this really elite quarterback.
1: Gilbert Manzano, L.A. Daily News covers the Chargers, is our guest here on Silver and Black tonight. Gilbert, let's talk about the defense, that defense that Derek Carr is going to go have to face on Monday night. And, of course, Joey Bosa uh, sprained his foot in Kansas City. It looks like he's going to be fine to go. But one guy you wrote about, too, uh, and I watched in the game uh, that's been a surprise and done really well and I think lit that spark for that Chargers defense has been linebacker Drew Tranquil. Uh, And Kansas City played 34 snaps. Kenneth Murray, the guy that everybody loved coming out of college, um, he's kind of deplaced him a little bit. Talk about what Tranquil has done and what that's meant for that Charger defense in the linebacker core.
0: Yeah, you know, Drew Tranquil was a really standout rookie linebacker in 2019. You know He broke his ankle in 2020, you know, the first quarter of the season opener against the Bengals. He he missed his entire second year. Uh, But you remember how good he was his rookie year. So it was surprising that, you know, the first couple of games, you know, he wasn't playing much. I think he had 14 defensive snaps in the first two games combined. So I, I asked Daly, you know, what's going on? Like this guy was really good. Like, well, why is he not able to kind of see the field? Maybe he's not keeping up with the new scheme. Maybe he's a better uh, linebacker with three linebackers in the field instead of two linebackers. Is uh, that kind of been the thing? And I asked Daly, and he said, No, this guy's a legit starter, starting caliber linebacker. I just gotta, I just gotta figure out my rotations for linebacker mm-hmm. uh, because Kaiser White, you know, who was drafted in 2018, has been playing, you know, pretty well also. And you have a, a, a first round linebacker and Kenneth Murray, so you got to give him the cracks as well, so when you're playing two linebackers most of the time, it's kind of tough to get three guys in, and and Staley told me, but don't worry about it. I'm going to get him in. He's going to play a lot of snaps soon, and sure enough, in KC, he got most of the snaps because it wasn't working with Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray is going through his growing pains year two. Kenneth Murray is a freak athlete, but maybe it's kind of a thing we need to slow it down because he's not getting to the right angles uh, he's, he's not, you know, stopping playmakers from getting the extra yard. Uh, he's not able to provide, you know, pressure, like, because he's such a, you know, such a fast linebacker that maybe he's too fast right now. But Drew Tranquil, it's like a controlled pace right now. And as soon as he got into the field, you could tell this guy's flying all over the field. Maybe he's not as fast as Kenneth Murray, but he's making the right decisions on what angles to take uh, you know how soon the goal this way and that way. Then you saw him at the line of scrimmage on the defensive line. He he helped out yeah. Joy Bosa on a sack. So we got half a sack there. Uh, so Drew Tranquil did a lot of things right, and it's going to be a, an issue for 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 maybe a good problem to have for Brandon State to figure out his location because you know you have Kai Zierwite playing well, you have Drew only When anyone's kind of you know a little behind. It is is the second year linebacker and Kenneth Murray, but he has he has all the tools, the potential. He's a little raw. Uh, But you would think a guy like Bailey, who's known for teaching guys and getting the best out of them, could figure out Kenneth Murray. You know, maybe Maybe not this week, but I think in the future he'll figure it out.
2: So I have a selfish question about Derwin James. He's one of my favorite players from the 2018 draft. He had some injuries, only played five games in 2019, missed all of last season, but he's back at it as a positionless player, handling multiple roles. I read one of your columns where you said he's now calling the plays for the defense and he's a team captain now. So just explain to our audience what he's brought to Brandon Staley's defense as a playmaker and as a leader.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to get uh, emotional like Brandon Staley. Every time you ask Brandon <laughs> Staley about James, <three laughs> I, I get a sense he wants get emotional because, you know, this, this guy, like I, I'm going to say, he is the heart and soul of the Chargers. He, he means a lot for, for the Chargers. And, and like you mentioned, he's positionless, but he also is a captain. Not just the captain, he is probably the overall captain of the Chargers uh, I know you have Justin Herbert a quarterback, but he is for sure, you know, the the alpha dog when it comes to leadership because people just gravitate for Derwin James and you can tell Brian Staley knows what he has. He's really grateful for Derwin James because just he plays a lot of roles for you. And you know, you kinda expect Derwin to be this, this perfect guy and 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 you know, he had he missed a whole a whole year so kind of basically two years. So to kinda of play a lot of snaps the first three games he might have been maybe a little rusty when it comes to playing on the edge or, or playing linebacker. Uh, but when it comes to coverage skills, he was he was he's he has that down. He knows how to defend. Uh but you you still you're still waiting for the interceptions, you're still waiting for the sacks, you're still waiting for the big hits, And I think that will come over time for Derwin, but you know, he has leadership out there, he's telling guys where to be in spots and you kinda of see that. Uh it's not a coincidence that, that Nazir Adderley had a big game with the Chiefs because Derwin was right there next to him to help him out. Uh, and, and then to kind of give you a nugget from last week, Derwin James had had his uh, shoulder pop out. Had, this was yeah. his shoulder. Casey mm-hmm. came, mm-hmm. he pops it back in, and he, just, and he goes into the field to play. And, and Joey Bosa was saying this guy was acting like it was not, not a big deal for him. So that <laughs> kind of just just shows how tough he is. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm curious to see. You know, you know, four games now. What can he do with Darren Waller? Because him and Darren Waller are going to go at it. And we, we saw a little glimpse of Derwin. And Kelsey but I think for that game they, they wanted their winner to focus on um, limiting the big plays play his true position safety and he was lights out at safety with Nas to limit Tyrico from getting loose but I think maybe this game it might be they might ask Derwin, go cover Darren Waller. See yeah. what you can do with that monster there. and help us out. So we'll yeah.
1: see how that match plays out. It's, a, I guess, a plum assignment, right? I mean, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but there you go. Gilbert Manzano from the LA Daily News giving us the dossier on the Chargers. It's going to be an exciting game out at SoFi Stadium, and he'll be there. Gilbert, as always, man, we appreciate your time. We'll talk to you down on the road uh, later in the season. Sounds
0: good. Thank you for the time, as always, guys. It was fun.
1: All right, there you go. Mo, everything we wanted to know about the Chargers and more.
2: Yeah, I got to ask about my guy Derwin James I, and then I was just fascinated by his me and Brandon still have something in kind common of, we both get emotional about Derwin James when
1: they're talking about, when he's talking about. <laughs> there you go and the, the whole shoulder popping out going back and I just pulled my muscle watching him do that so well we're at the end of another show another Friday night is in the books here on Silver and Black tonight we appreciate you being with us make sure you follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E M-O-T-O-N I am at LV Gully also follow the show S-N-B Tonight on Twitter and check out vegasportstoday.com. Mo, man, I can't wait for Monday. It's going to be a heck of a game and we'll talk about it here next week.
2: I got my heart medicine ready. Ready for another <laughs> Monday night thriller. Another overtime <laughs> game, maybe? Another overtime. Another uh, overtime. Uh, I'm calling
1: uh, it. On Monday night, it'll, it, that'll be a late one if it is. All right. For everyone here, and thanks to our sponsor again, Sam and Ash Law, uh, and to my co host, Mo Moten, I am Scott Goldbrands, and this has been. The Silver and Black Tonight here on the Mightier 1090. Talk to you next week, Raider Nation. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black Tonight every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 AM. SoCal Sports Talk.